and welcome to the ESBS podcast. My name is Agla Kovalunite, and we're recording this podcast live at the 2023 ESBS annual meeting in Belfast during the digital education session. This is our first time recording a podcast live during a session, so I'm very excited to invite two authors of the virtual vascular chapters, Dr. Jonathan Earnshaw and Professor Sabine Whipper. Thank you very much for joining the podcast. Thank you. Dr. Earnshaw, you are an author and an editor of the Virtual Vascular. Your chapter on a history of surgery for acute limb ischemia stands out as one of the only historical chapters of the textbook. Could you please tell us why did you decide to do a historical chapter and why are historical chapters still important? So the truth is that um, at the beginning of this, we needed some example chapters so that we could show them to our authors about what we were wanting to do. And all three of us wrote example chapters, and it just happened that at the time I was working on the history of acute leg ischemia, which is a, a, an interest of mine. And so I basically used that to do an example chapter. And you're completely correct. It stands out like a sore thumb in this, in this uh, uh, virtual vascular. But the idea was to show that you could have a chapter full of pictures. Um, and at the end of it, I did a podcast, which was the, the 10 heroes of the history of acute leg ischemia. And so it, the idea was that it would then show potential authors uh, how we wanted the digital chapters to be done. So I have promised to replace that with a, a proper scientific chapter on acute leg ischemia, which I will do, and then that can be removed or just be a part of the extra digital material for that chapter. Great, and we constantly talk about that virtual vascular is a renewable, constantly updating chapter in textbook. Do you think that there are any updates that will be needed for your even historical chapter currently? So I'm good, but even I can't change history. And so I guess the answer is not really. But, uh, but, but when, when it comes to doing the, the proper chapter on acute leg ischemia, well, that's changing all the time. That's changing very rapidly. And it's the sort of chapter that will need updating every year or two because things are moving very quickly with all the new endovascular devices for acute thrombectomies. So that's the sort of chapter that will... That we've got the two extremes for chapters, really. A historical chapter that will never need ad, uh, updating and, and a fast-moving area of vascular surgery that will need updating regularly. Please tell us with your previous editorial experience, how is the editing uh, work you do right now for the virtual vascular different, or is it actually the same? So when we started doing this, all three of us had written textbooks before. We, we knew how to manage people producing chapters for us. We knew how to edit. So it wasn't dramatically different from what we'd done before, um, except in two ways. The, the first thing, of course, is that we wanted to encourage people to have as much digital material as possible. That's the whole reason for having a virtual textbook. And the second thing is that this is very much a European effort, um, but it's in English. Uh, and uh, English is difficult to speak, it's difficult to read, it's difficult to understand. So my job, my specific job on this, was to edit the chapters into plain English to make them as comprehensible as possible. I, I, and the proof of the pudding is in whether people have found that they're easy to read. Great, thank you. Professor Whipper, you have published a chapter on open surgery for infrarenal AAA. Could you please share with us what was your experience as an author for a chapter? Yeah, I think it's very important to focus on things uh, that might be done less in the future. 
many of the trainees are afraid of not doing enough open surgery anymore. And I think this book is very important because um, the youngsters are very focused on e-learning. They don't appreciate only front lectures and uh, standard books. It's important to have other options. Training is very important. We have to focus on getting new vascular surgeons and to motivate, motivate the youngsters. And with this uh, chapter, we had an option to motivate people. They can look at videos. They can look at podcasts. And this is a different approach and um, that's why um, it's so important to have youngsters for the future uh, and to give them an option to learn differently. More and more trainees are worried about losing or not even obtaining skills for open repair. Do you think that there are resources, other resources, that could actually help trainees to be better prepared for this? Videos are important, but also a simulator training is very important. And um, the next thing is that uh, when I was trained, I had access to open surgery very much. And we had different working hours. We had a different number of open surgery. Now we have to, uh, to do different options. For example, during COVID, we had no options for training either. So e-learning is the only option because we could not do any training sessions uh, during that time. So times have changed. And you should use the modern tools the idea of virtual vasculars to be, as mentioned, an online, up-to-date, constantly renewable, uh, constantly uh, looking for the latest evidence uh, living resource. With the emerging evidence, do you, do you think that there are any updates needed for your chapter already, or could you imagine what will be needed to be updated in the future? I think it can be updated constantly because, as I said, for example, during COVID, we had different uh, difficulties. We did not have access to all grafts. We had to change our strategies. Next year, it might be totally different because now the times have changed again. So I think this is a very good option um, to update to the current situation. It's not only like in a book where you have a written chapter where you can read how you should do it and you have not the option to do it because the things are not available at the moment or the capacities in the OR are not available. So you have to modify your strategies and give different options to the people. And this could and should be discussed maybe every year. Do you, think, do you have any suggestions, for example, what resources have changed uh, recently that are not that readily available for many hospitals and centers? At the moment, for example, we don't have access to all grafts. If we have graft infections, this is a big problem, so we have to change our strategies. And this is different from three years ago, where we had uh, access to everything. Also, the leak of capacities for open repair has changed, so we have to um, modify the indication what patient will be operated open and which one will be done endo. In our hospital, we do half-half open endo, but um, the ICU capacity is very, very low. So we have um, different decision-making at the moment than three years ago. Go. Great, thank you. With less trainees being able to be trained for open repair, do you think that the knowledge dissemination should be also uh, different from trainees that have not even experienced uh, open repairs in the future? It is very important to train the people, and um, if you uh, don't do this now, you will have an even worse problem in the future because the open repair will be more and more complex because at the moment the endo numbers are increasing. And if you don't train for the basic uh, surgery, you will not be able to do the complex. And one option to learn is also by videos, and uh, that's why this is so important. It's different from a book, and it's different from a lecture. Yeah, exactly. The, that is why Virtual Vascular is not a classical textbook and not a scientific journal, but a 
living knowledge resource always being updated and always being renewed. Thank you, both of you, for your time today. For our listeners, we are recording live podcasts here in Belfast all of this week, so keep tuned and bye for now. Thank you.